John Brandian, professional comedian for more than 30 years. And I'm Amanda McKinney, John's daughter for more than 30 years. Our family believes laughing is a learned behavior, and we want to teach you how we do it. So welcome to the kitchen table of the comedian next door. Okay. Welcome to the kitchen table of the comedian next door. It's Sunday. It's Sunday, and we have been, uh, well, we haven't been very vigilant in uh, putting a podcast together. We haven't made time. Is it my fault or your fault? It's kind of, I, I guess I'll take blame for it, because you've been taking blame for a lot of stuff this week. You've had, what, 37 uh, children 38. at the house? Yeah. The Peaches has been watching not only her own usual four children, but... But uh, another three children mm-hmm. plus one, right? So it's three children eight. extra during the day, one at night. So right. eight altogether overnight. Right, eight children overnight at the Peaches house. So she's a little strung out and uh, a little crabby. Uh, maybe not crabby. Maybe just sad. I am racking up treasure in heaven, like you wouldn't believe. Are you? Are you? You got a big pile of rubies? And- Look at me go. What do you get? What do you get for taking care of eight kids? I'm gonna get the, the last laugh. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh maniacally like Scrooge McDuck so, from the top of my treasure pile. So all those people who are uh, who are not babysitting other people's kids are gonna have to do it. You're gonna in be heaven. kicking yourself. Are there gonna be children in heaven? Have we talked about that? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Okay. Well, I don't know. Uh, here's some mail that I want to read to you. Oh, is this before, before is this segmented? Started. No, this isn't segmented. I don't know where this is going to fit. We do need a segment for email, and as much as that's going to upset some of our listeners if we segment yet again, uh, I don't. There, there's a bunch of things that I kind of want to talk about and cover that that don't fit into our three segments. What should you call? Neatly, so email. we have to shoehorn them into other places. What should you call the mailbag of the comedian next door? I don't want to. I wouldn't <laughs> want to call it a mailbag. I would want to call it. The male trunk, the male, the male, <laughs> the male, uh, does this saddle. have anything to do with comedy? Right. No. Well, we'll have to think about it. Anyway, here's the, the, we got a couple of emails this week. Um, hey there to the new family on the FLF block. Have only That's been us. listening. Sorry. That's us. Have only been listening to the uh, to cross politic for the past few months, and it has definitely pushed me in thinking better about my faith and how to live it out. Having y'all nearby now is great too. That's us. I just said that. Mm-hmm. Have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you. For a good while after coming to Christ, have leaned heavily into the you shouldn't laugh at that camp. Mm. Mm. Mm-mm. So your insights and thoughts into humor have been refreshing and helpful to stretch my understanding. See, this is I love these kind of emails. Send us more of those. Yeah. Uh, while my backyard is more of the, quote, excuse the weeds, I'm feeding the bees maintenance versus oh. the peaches mean dog yard. Yeah, that's a reference to my backyard that looks like a vicious like a dog, mean dog lives here. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to getting together for a cookout or maybe like a neighborhood block party. Despite the fact that, that our backyards are in a shambles, we still want to get together and barbecue. There's a party going on right now. That says something. Yeah, you probably, can probably hear it for 
as is normally the case, there's a lot of people here on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Anywho, my query is in relation to the chronic pain and divorce drama episode. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yep. In that Peaches mentioned a blog that had received kickback having to do with divorce. I don't know if they mean kickback or feed or uh, pushback. Pushback. Uh, where can I find said blog post? Oh, okay. And as it may contain the answer to my question here. But in that discussion about all the negative responses she received, it sounded to my untrained ear that the doctrine of indissolubility may have been promoted. You know what that is? Um, I didn't until it was used in that email and I looked it up. (laughs) Would that be the case or not? And if not, why not bring it up by name and really stoke the fires of unrepentant people's ire? Yeah. (laughs) Laughing face. Uh, Yes, it is more known probably by Catholics under that terminology. And although I am not one of them, it may be one doctrine they had right. Although it is probably never even, it is probably never even followed there uh, anymore either. Uh, whether or not this is what you were alluding to, the stance that one cannot just divorce to remarry whomever they want is right on and was glad to hear that case made so strongly. Yeah, we make strong cases. Mm-hmm. We don't back away. We say the thing. Indissolubility is not a popular doctrine for sure. Is that what you would say? I didn't even know what it was. Again, but Now that you know what it is, do you think it's an, in, an unpopular doctrine? Uh, yeah, it's so unpopular. Most people don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. Nope. Most people don't even look it up. Uh, bringing it up has definitely set people on edge rather quickly in past conversations. Oddly enough, no matter that as a man who was faithful to the vows he made and divorced before even coming to Christ, holding to this doctrine is not a stand that has made me any friends in the church. It is amazing how often and readily Christians will take the Bible out of context entirely by quoting things like, it is not good for a man to be alone as a reason for me to ignore the vows that were made to the maker of all things thanks for all uh thanks for what y'all are doing and keep it up sincerely carl spelled strangely with a c a r l no that's because we haven't told the flf people how to spell carl Mm -hmm. so all is forgiven so indissolubility so i did a little research uh back and forth with this particular carl and i just to make sure that i understood properly i asked so you are maintaining a vow that you took before you became a Christian. So he, he got married uh, and divorced prior to coming to Christ. And he is maintaining that his, uh, he is maintaining his celibate, unmarried position even, uh, even now. Right. After having gotten divorced when he was a pagan. Mm-hmm. Which, which to me is, I, I've never heard of such a thing before. <laughs> I've never heard of anybody do that before. Have you? Mm, not until this email. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what uh, what are, what are we going to say? All I can all I can think to say to uh, to Carl is uh, I'm impressed. I think uh, I think you deserve. You you some said credit. you went back and forth, and you asked him if that was the case, and I'm assuming he confirmed that yes. Yes, that is the case. Okay. I was waiting for that. That he is he is uh, he was divorced before he became a Christian, and now but but even as a as a self-identified non-Christian, he thought that there was something significant and sacred about the marriage vow that he had taken. Well, 
he, what I what I understand is that now that he is a Christian, he understands that there was still something special about what happened prior to him becoming a Christian. Right. So he's choosing to choosing to honor that. First of all, I just want to mention. Yes. I want to note that my backyard looks a lot better now mm. than it did. I don't know back then because it was early early spring and raining for several days and it was a mud puddle. Now mm. there's grass yeah. and there's leaves on the trees. And there's that nice white picket fence, which was there before, but it was well. It hasn't you know, rained. For it hasn't a few rained days for a while, too. so so just for the record, if people are gonna mosey on by you now, it's probably a little bit more inviting than it was before. Yeah. Well, if they mosey on by, they're gonna have a hard time seeing it unless they mosey past the school and look on the one. Cause you got a privacy fence on one side, yeah, and the house on the other. Well, we've so got moseying past is not going to give them a good look. Yeah, and and now there's cars all out front. Yeah, because everybody's here for Sunday. So, kids in the back. Somebody but your asked, yard is still full of toys. And somebody stuff. asked Luke the other day at work because they know where he they know where we live, and they drive past every now and then. And somebody said, "Does your wife run a daycare?" <laughs> right. No. It's like, no, it's just a mean dog that lives there. No, I'm not getting paid. Oh, you kind of did this week. No, but it's not. It's not a business. It's not a formal Here's the daycare. thing. This is the irony, and I think this is true. I haven't actually looked up daycare laws in Indiana, but a lot of times there's a ratio. You can only have so many kids for one adult. It's true. And you I think we're past that. that ratio. And so I literally cannot pay. I can't ask people to pay me, but if I'm doing it for free, I can have as many you kids can have as, as many I as want, you want in the That's backyard. A, there's something. There's an irony about that, isn't yeah. there? So don't tell anybody how many kids are here, Carl. Just keep that under your hat. Okay, I've got another email. And I oh, my think, goodness. I don't think you've heard this one yet. Yeah, but here's the thing about you and your email. You read like you drive. It's so slow and, like, it's it's so slow. You it's so slow. part of my charm. Okay. To whom it may concern. In a recent episode, you discussed a study showing that women in churches with female leadership are healthier than women who either <laughs> don't go to church or go to churches with male leadership. That was last week. In the course of discussion, Amanda brought up male pattern baldness and seemed to imply <laughs> that it might be cured by women preachers. Mm-hmm. If that weren't bad enough, John then started... John then stated confidently that if women started preaching, then, quote, the men will start growing hair and the women will get rid of their gout. (laughs) While the gout part is certainly true, the study you cited did not say anything about men becoming healthier, just women. Would you please refrain, all caps, from making claims about the effects of effects on men until you have the results from another study that looks at males rather than females. For all you know, listening to women preachers may, on average, decrease the lifespan of men. And thus, by spreading this fake news about the alleged (laughs) positive effects of women preachers, you are basically killing people. Yeah. Not to mention giving false hope to millions of men suffering from the insufferable ailment of baldness and keeping them from seeking more scientifically sound alternative treatments, such as essential oils, right, <laughs> which might actually help them. This is tantamount to the prosperity gospel and the way tobacco companies used to advertise smoking as, quote, healthy. It is outrageous, and if you do not apologize in writing within 30 days, I may... Oops. If you do not apologize within 30 days, I may have to express my displeasure on Twitter, and I will tag you to let all of your fans, if there actually are any, know about this. Sincerely, Carl, with a K, P.S., 
prior to listening to your podcast, I had a full head of hair. But since then, I have pulled most of my hair out, and it is not growing back. I hold you responsible. Now, to be fair, I, I kind of agree that we made some claims about male health, men's health, we couldn't make. I thought I thought you would uh, be on board with this. It's true, Carl. But what I'm hearing you say is that female leadership... And talking about female leadership on podcasts is a great cure for overgrowth <laughs> or too much hair. So women wouldn't have to go like get their eyebrows waxed as often or shave their legs as much. <laughs> right. But I think the, the complaint was that we don't know how those, we know that that's true for women, but we don't right, know no, what the effects know, are on men. Right. Based on that study about female leadership. But now we know that our podcast, listening to our podcast is... A viable cure. It's a, it's a, a depilatory. Cure. Yeah. Right. It, it removes hair. Yeah. From at least, well, from both people, right? <laughs> I the don't women, know. The women could, uh, would, would suffer hair loss uh, from, by virtue of the fact that they're not actually preaching on this podcast. But oh, you're yeah. here. You're here doing your thing. So what, yeah. are you, what are you doing on this podcast? Are you... Am I leading? Are you leading? Does this count? Let's have a. What do you tell us? What you think, Carl? Take your temperature, Carl. Send us the <laughs> data. The feature, yeah. Let us know. Let us know if you are feeling. Uh, we'll if keep, your hair is falling out, we'll or, keep a chart. We'll keep a chart of of average temperature of people who listen to the podcast. Right. Over how, time, how much physical harm are we doing by having the peaches do whatever she's doing? Now, I'm not even saying that you're that you're leading. No, somebody also needs to time how much time you spend reading and to speaking on the podcast versus how much I do. And if we do emails, I mean, it's going to be no question. You're going to do the majority of the reading. <laughs> as long as this they keep why. sending emails for you to read, I will not be in leadership. I will hardly say anything. <laughs> this is why you're not supposed to be in leadership because you're so mean. I you're do so not permit critical. the women to speak in church. They will only insult their fathers. They will only insult their fathers and the men that are important to them. All right, fair criticism. Fair criticism, Carl. We can't make any claims about the health of men. Um, we can only say what the study said, which right. is that when women are in leadership, the women thrive in their health. And when they're not, they suffer. Yeah, when women are not in leadership. When women are not in leadership. And by leadership specifically, it seemed to mean preaching. Yeah. And and being up front and being the one in charge. So, uh, all right, fair, fair criticism. And uh, feel free to do that at any time, Carl. If you call us out on something, this is how we learn. This is how we grow. I will admit that was a blind spot. It never even occurred to me that we were misleading. Yeah, men. Potentially men. Yeah. yeah. Um, with that story. So... Okay, that's all the emails I have for this week. So are we ready to call it? I don't know. What's next? I don't know. I'm not allowed to make these decisions. I'm um, female. So, well, you decide what you, whatever it is that you Do you have something you for good grief? Um, well, yeah, we can talk. It's it's not th a thing that I prepared. Is it another email? Mm -mm, it's not an email. You so, probably should just skip so, right over so, that then. <laughs> <laughs> So he got Good grief. Why did I not hear anything? I heard it. Good grief. You don't have to keep pushing it. Did you hear that one? I heard it that time. Okay. All right. Uh, this week is an... Uh, I stumbled across an article just yesterday. So I'm going to bring up the article about the people who are... Who are leaving, uh, <laughs> leaving the church. And uh, what's funny about that? I just love that music so much. 
What's funny about people leaving the church? 43% of millennials do not care, do not know, and do not, or do not believe that God exists. 43%. So that's well over a third. Not, it's not close to half, but it's closer to half than it is to a third. Anyway, um, and the reason is because uh, we've got a culture now that, uh, that likes the, uh, the idea of social justice um, and specifically happiness equals morality. That's kind of where the millennium crowd, the millennium, millennial crowd is. That if you are, if you're happy, then you are doing something that's moral. Um, yeah, whatever. I don't think I don't think that they even believe that stuff. And I think it's like when the atheists on your blog, atheist trolls would come and troll your blog all the time, and they would constantly talk about how great their lives were and how happy they were and. And specifically, they would try to tell jokes. Like, we would joke right. about what they were saying, and we would genuinely be laughing out loud. And they would write LOL, but it was obvious they were not L-ing O-L. They were... L-O-L-ing. They were not laughing out loud. Oh, it is L-ing O-L. L-ing O-L. They weren't doing that. Yeah. And so... And so I think that it is attractive. I think people are attracted to laughter, and they're attracted to joy, and they, they want some of that. But I also think it's important that we Christians genuinely have that joy and don't pretend and don't like don't say that you're laughing or say that you're enjoying yourself if you're not because it's going to be pretty obvious Mm -hmm. and uh well specifically when we're talking about people who have quote lost their faith or have never had faith quote unquote um we i've talked many times about how the appropriate response is not to uh apologize for the way they've been treated in church, not to apologize for, I know Christians are hard, I know church has beaten you up, but the actual, the best way to respond to people like that is with a show of strength, uh, because those are people who are looking for some sort of uh, place to stand. And I, I agree with you that, that most of their bravado is false, and they're looking for a place to stand. And when we Christians go, oh, I'm so sorry, or... Or we are uh, fascinated by that. Oh, you don't believe in God? Well, tell me about that. Tell me your story. Hmm. It's like, I don't want to hear your dumb story. You know, the Bible says it's the fool who says that there's no God. Right. So I don't, I don't want to suffer a fool. And if it is, uh, I, I've been halfway effective uh, a few times with just calling people out for their dumb ideas and saying, yeah, that idea is a dumb idea. Right. Um, it's counterintuitive. And laughing at them. It's, it's counterintuitive in Christian circles. There are a lot of evangelical churches and people standing up on, on the stage in front telling evangelicals how to minister or how to evangelize. Right. And it's just, it's just the opposite of what you're saying, and it's so wrong. They're saying, you know, oh, be a listening ear, you know, be a place, be a safe place. And what they mean by safe is um, don't offend anyone, you know, and don't, don't upset them or don't say something that's controversial. And it's like, no, no, actually what you need to be is different and you need to be oriented toward the truth, which is a great way to be different Always. in this culture. And when you do that, it is, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's something that they haven't seen before. You know what they can get anywhere else outside the church? It's support for all of their harebrained ideas. And I'm glad you brought that up. Here's the thing. Um, if you're, preaching or if you're going to a church where 
loving your neighbor and loving people outside the church is still being preached, you're at least 10 years behind the time. <laughs> at, at least. Yes. And uh, it, all of these sermons that I've heard about, you know, our job is to show, is to love on people and show the love of Christ to these people. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for love. Like That's at least 10 years behind the time because what this survey has demonstrated is that people are already experts at loving themselves. They, they are already so full of love for themselves that when, when we come along and go, you know what, I'm just going to love on you, then their response is, well, yeah, it's about time. Get in line. Yeah, I've known how awesome I am for a long time. And so basically, Christians are, Christianity is about kissing up to people and trying to... It's about trying to, it's about trying to serve people as customers even better than they're already being served by their phone company, by their internet provider, right. and themselves. Like everywhere they go and everything they do is already geared toward making them happy. Right. And so it, now the church has to compete with everything else, every other business in the United States. Correct. And... And when the church does not compete well, the people who we are trying to woo actually see us as immoral. They actually oh, yeah. see us as bad people because we're not making them happy. Right, our customer service stinks. Right, our, you're, you have a bad, P, a bad PR, bad customer service. And so the Christians, again, who are behind the times by about 10 years, uh, apologize and fall all over themselves to do better. Oh, I need to do better. Show me, ask me. Tell me how we can do better. Right. I've, I've seen surveys from pastors to, to people who don't go to church. Tell us what we can do to serve you better. Tell us how we can, how we can better welcome you and make you feel like a part of our... And all of that is... It, it's, it's not even effective. It's, right. it's not even working. Uh, besides being degrading and humiliating because you, you're groveling in front of a bunch of people you're you're basically begging people to let you tell them the truth let right. you give them a thing that's going to save their lives right. and you're and you're asking permission can i please improve your life uh, a thousandfold Will you please allow me to do that? Do we have a relationship? Have I done a good enough job of establishing a relationship with you so that you will let me tell you the most important thing that you will ever hear in your life? Right, but it doesn't work anyway. Like even if that method of salesmanship even worked, like that would give me some pause, um, but but it doesn't. And I think that's what frustrates them the most is, is these leaders or these you know wannabe ministers, these pastors, and other quote experts will stand up again on stage on, on a Sunday morning and preach this stuff, preach these techniques, but their techniques themselves are not working. And I think that's what frustrates them so much. You know, I've actually been blocked by former youth ministers of yeah, mine, that's... youth ministers, plural, <laughs> Carl, more than one more former than youth one. minister and former her youth own ministers. personal former youth minister. These are people she was actually part of their youth group <laughs> and their so spouses. These too. aren't just random, random people she's ticked off. These are people right. who used to who people, used to be her leaders people telling me I need to go establish a relationship with people. It's, me, it's like, you mean like a relationship where we went to the same church for years and you were my youth minister, that kind, like of, relationship? That kind of relationship. I think if it's possible for you to shut me down, literally anybody in the world can shut me down. And right. that's my point. 
their techniques don't work. Like they still have people who get upset with them sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, they still have conflict in their lives. Mm -hmm. And the only thing they know how to do at that point is just hit the block button on social media. Because well, that's they because cannot, the gospel. Yeah. Right. Because the gospel has become um, never having conflict with people. The, the, right. you, have, you are effectively living out the Great Commission when no, you're never fighting with anybody. And again, we're at least 10 years behind the times, if not 20, when we, when we deliver most of the, of the sermons that get delivered now. Most of the things get posted on social media are all about how Christians just need to be nicer and just need to, to get along with people. So and we've been doing that for at least 10 years and, or 15, and 43% of the people are, uh, I don't even believe in God anymore and right. don't care. That was the other statistic that I thought was interesting. They don't care. Right. So even if you have a, if you try to have a conversation with them, they're not interested in hearing what you have to say. Here's my experience with this, like with this phenomenon. Um, be genuinely funny, genuinely enjoy your own life. Ask really, really hard questions of yourself first, and go seeking the truth. You know, seek seek God and try to figure out what's true yourself first, and then live out of that. You know, answer questions from that from that foundation, and and laugh a lot. And when you do that, people can't explain it. But but even the unbelievers are um, hooked. I mean, they're I, hooked. They're interested now. A lot of times they'll respond with hostility. A lot of times like they'll respond the time. with anger. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much all the time they respond and with so, hostility. And so when you do this, Carl, you need to understand that when when <laughs> my somebody definition of success is probably very different <laughs> right. from yours. Well, that's why I'm saying I'm articulating it because when it first happens, your your tendency is to think, "Oh, I've done something wrong. <laughs> this is <laughs> this not person's working." Very upset with me. <laughs> no, no, no. You want them to be upset, right. and then you know that it's working, right? <laughs> because only somebody who's heard what you said can be upset with you, and so. And so now there's going to be people who this is the first time they're hearing it and they're saying, so are you saying that proclaiming the gospel is going to upset people? Yes. yes. So you're saying that speaking the truth in love is going to make people mad? Yes. yes. Because if you're not making people mad, you're forgetting the truth part. <laughs> right. <laughs> what? It's so, it's so counterintuitive, but yeah. it's absolutely the truth. If had, people are mad at you, you're probably saying the right thing. I've had people who were mad at me who were still talking about me and telling parts of my testimony, my Christian testimony, to other people on the internet without me even being there. Right. I've had people share bits of my story with other atheists, right. atheists sharing with atheists because they couldn't <laughs> get it out of their head. Years after I said anything to them directly, that's, that's how effective it is. And so when I say success, that's, that's really what I mean. How do I get through to a person? Whether they accept Christ or not is... Not really my it's not call. Our, that's not our problem. Um, right. But but how how do I get an audience with people who need the truth, or how do I you know how do I evangelize the world? How do I spread the light? And my version of success is again ask tough questions of yourself first. Be clear on your own beliefs. Laugh a lot, and then and then don't make apologies for the things that upset people. And it's attractive. It's right. magnetic, and they come. We used to call it the bug zapper. Like your blog was like a bug zapper, or specifically the comment section was yeah. a, was it I had this way of could just not stay away. People would come to it, you know, non-believers who hated you, who had been commenting for years. They would come, 
just like, oh, he's posted again. I'm going to go. I'm going closer. to go to the light. And I'm they always they they always wound up going down in flames, just like a just they like a moth zapped. in a plug, I mean, plug would, And then they get com- they complain to you. Oh, John, you're so this way. You're so like that. And it's like, why yeah. do you keep coming around then? Well, and what was interesting too in the in the blog, what we learned through those years was that the, then the other Christians, our brothers and sisters would come along and they would say, are you sure that that's the best way to do this, John? I mean, are you sure that mocking these people and making them so angry, is that, you think that that's what Jesus would do? Don't you, do you really think that that's the best way to call them to, to the truth? And my response was, and still is, yes. yes. You know, the truth is the way it is. God wired me up to say it the way I say it. And I'm not going to apologize. If you're... If you're upset, um, that's your fault. Right. If, if I get upset with you, that's on me. So if you're going to yell at me and call me names and all of that, that's, that's fine. But if I get upset, then I'm the one who loses. Right. And the same thing holds true for you. Well, so. and you brought up uh, people criticizing us, fellow brothers and sisters, Christians, criticizing that technique and that tactic, which brings me to... Peaches in a whirl. Oh, really? We're going to do a segue this time? Isn't that great? Hey, look, Grandma Turbo's here, and she's waving at me. My mom's there. Hey, Mom. Hi, Grandma. Uh, I'm telling you, it's a full house. Um, I want to talk about the way that people who are not being effective in ministry try to tell you how to be more effective in your effective ministry. Are you whirling about a specific thing that you can... Articulate this? Um, yeah, well, I can. I want to specifically uh, give a shout out to David Wood, the apologist from Act Seventeen Apologetics. Yeah, you can look at, look up David Wood if you have not seen his uh, videos yet. Carl. He's got the best example that I can think of off the top of my head um, of Christians constantly shaming him for his tone, his his technique, and his tactics. Um, he mostly talks about. Uh, sharing the gospel with Muslims. M- Muslims. Yeah, he's got a he's got a ministry to people who are still, you know, believers in Islam. Um, and it's a wildly effective ministry. It's That's, very effective. Uh, he's like been known to nice. rip out pages of the Quran and chew on them, <laughs> which is extremely sacrilegious to the uh-huh. Muslims. Um, he's been known to dress up as Muhammad, which again is it's very, very offensive. offensive. He's been known to make appointments with people who are going to come and kill him. Yeah. And he would tell them where he's going to be and when he's going to be there. He calls them keyboard jihadis. Uh-huh. People who, who are like, I'm going to kill you and your whole family. And Here's where I'll be. He'd be like, I'll meet you in Times Square at this time on this day. Right. And yeah, then videotape the fact that they never show up. But, yep. but I mean, he knows how to put his finger right on the nerve of a practicing Muslim. He's been studying the Quran and, you know, the Muslim faith, which has a lot of extra Quranic texts too, apparently. Kind of like the Catholics with the catechism and other things. They've got that too. Hard to know what the authoritative documents are. There's a lot of versions of it. And he's studied, you know, all of those and has done lots and lots of videos about um, Islam and what's wrong with it. And he's debated a lot of popular Muslim uh, apologists. And, and he makes a lot of people angry. He, he, Yeah. Well, any guy who you've got with people calling you up and saying, I'm going to kill you. Right. It's obviously doing something not so nice. Right. Um, I've gotten a few death threats, but not as many as David. No, I'm you sure. got a long way to go before you yeah, I know. rack up that number. I'm working on it. This podcast is getting us closer, I hope. If you would like to kill us, please send your email to nextdoor <laughs> at, at johnbranion.com. And just say, die. <laughs> 
D-I-E. That's all you need. With lots of exclamation points. Yeah, as many exclamation points as you want. But if you bonus, say bonus, die, uh, we'll see how many of those I can get this week. Bonus to that. It won't take Dad very long to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you an email this week. Stop making fun of my reading voice. Mm -hmm. um, so I, but the thing that I thought was just so interesting is, for one, I've been watching David's videos for a long time and was really encouraged. Like, as a Christian who believes that, that the truth is more important than whether or not a person receives it, you know, it was really hard to find people who practiced that same philosophy the way that David Wood does. And right. he's a philosophy, he's got a doctorate in philosophy. Um, he's extremely no-nonsense, extremely, you know, as, as unemotional as you could possibly be. He, he is not a warm person. No, <laughs> no, but he believes what he says, right. you know, and he's very, very careful on the academic side of things to be, to be clear and to be truthful. And I just appreciated it so much that when he was talking about how many emails and comments he gets from fellow Christians who are saying he's pushing people away from Christ, right. it was like, oh, people do that to him too? Yeah. That's kind of encouraging too. In bigger numbers than they do with us, as you just eloquently pointed out yeah but he he did a video finally um a few years back where he juxtaposed he was he was comparing the comments from christians who are from the united states and western europe he compared those with comments from people who were formerly muslims who have uh converted In to christianity countries. as a result all of them said all of these former muslims were saying to david wood at first, you really made me mad. I really hated you. I was somebody who told you I wanted you to die, you know, but then I just kept watching and eventually you made me realize that I was mad because I didn't know really what I believed and I didn't understand my own faith as well as you did and that made me mad and right. you encouraged me to look into this stuff and so I did and here I am. And, and then, yeah, next to that, you had these, you know, I guess, church ladies who are like, David, that is not the way that you minister to a person. You never, you will never win someone to Christ with an argument. Right. They always need to see our love first. Right. Right. And so I just, I just want to say that if you are a person who has gotten criticism from fellow Christians because of your tactic or because of your technique, you're not alone. And I want to say, if you are a Christian who's constantly wagging their finger and saying, this is how you establish a relationship or this is how you win somebody to Christ. Prove it. Show me, show me the results of your ministry. Show me the fruit of your ministry. Because here's, here's a really uncomfortable thing that I've noticed. I've got a house full of extremely loud people <laughs> right now. Right this very at second. this moment. People who are wanting to do life with me and be part of what I'm what I'm about. Right. And the people who are almost always wagging their fingers at me aren't alone. And their ministry is not nearly as effective as you would believe from their impassioned speeches on social media or from, you know, the sermons that they're delivering in church. Right. They don't have strong relationships. They don't know what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> and so right. that's what's got me in a world today. You right. know, I'm, I'm just issuing sort of a blanket challenge here. Like, if you have a way to handle these crazy atheists or these unbelievers or these people who are um, Muslims or whoever it is, if you have a way to handle them that you think is more effective than what I'm proposing and what you're proposing by laughing, um, then do it and show me and the proof will be in the pudding. But I've never seen it. Never have I seen somebody who's been wagging their finger about tone and saying, love, 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 love. I've actually never seen them have 
a roster of people that they have brought to the faith yep. that they can yep. say, well, here's the here's the 50 people. Here's the 12 people even. Yep. At here's best, the five people that I brought At best, they have a few hundred people who still go to church with them for now until the music changes and they don't like it anymore. Or they've got a few people who like the coffee and the T-shirts at their church, but they don't have any committed disciples of Christ. They right. don't have even their own kids you know or their own families right. in a lot of these cases they don't have best friends <laughs> they don't That's have you know funny if you yeah. have you ever seen the movie fargo no okay um well there's a scene in fargo where uh jerry lundergaard i'm i'm gonna all right i'm gonna spoil it a little bit but it's been out long enough that if you haven't seen it it's your fault i'm not going to apologize for that but, but one of the main characters is a guy named Jerry Lundergaard, and he is a car salesman, and he <laughs> basically embezzles uh, a bunch of money. He, he, he basically gets a loan from the GMAC finance for a bunch of cars that don't exist. And so um, he's, trying to, he's trying to forge these serial numbers and send them in, and because they're, he's got $330,000 he got from the GMAC for cars that don't exist that he never sold. And so, uh, so that's the, the problem. And so he's a crook. And so he conceives, he, he, when the show starts, he's meeting with these guys who he's paying to kidnap his wife. And then they're going to charge his father-in-law, his wife's uh, dad, a ransom for the, to get his daughter back. And then he's, Jerry's going to take all of the money and, uh, and split it with the... It, so he's a shyster and a crook. And everything goes, it's wrong. It's a great movie. But there's a scene in that movie where their kid, who's like 13-year-old, Scotty, um, is having an argument with his mother in the kitchen. And, he's, and he drops the F word. He goes, Mom, there's no effing. And Jerry goes, and his mother both go, hey. And Jerry goes, watch your language. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a exquisitely, uh, it, it's a great scene because you've got this guy who is absolutely rotten and and deceitful and evil to the core, but he won't let his son use that kind of language right. because that's that's not respectable. And I think that there are a lot of Christians that are that way. There's yeah. a lot of Christians who are not worth they're they're not doing anything worthwhile. In fact, they're working against right. uh, the 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 kingdom of God. They're emailing David Wood, who's converting Muslims right. to Christianity. And they're telling him to watch his language. And telling him to stop, yeah. Right. And I, I think that, you know, I, I, every, every couple of years I watch Fargo because I love the movie so much. But that scene hit me this time, and I was like, yeah, I've, I hadn't thought about it that way before. But there are a lot of Jerry Lundercards in church who are doing nothing. They're actually working against the kingdom of God, but they're wagging their finger at you and me for right. our language. Yes, and I watch prison documentaries often. Oh, well, see, that's even I worse. I like documentaries in general, but like... That's even worse. But yeah, pr- documentaries about like youth in prison or women in prison or the most violent death row inmates. I mean, there's all sorts. So many different categories of great prison documentaries. <laughs> and... Uh, it's true. They're so it's a it's a colorful rainbow of prison documentary. And, and they do the same thing. Like they're in there because of they they could not get away from drugs. They could not stop doing drugs or selling drugs or both. And they're still continuing <laughs> to do that behind bars because they have toilets so they can flush baggies to each other through right. this complicated. Really? Yeah, you didn't know about. It's called no. fishing. Yeah. 
So they like will tie because all the toilets are connected. This podcast has so much information in it. If you okay. go to prison, here's how you get your drugs. All right, Carl, I'll teach you something, but you have to promise not to do it next time you're in prison. <laughs> Why? They have these like oh, they'll like tear little sheets Here comes and Gabby. they'll tie like stuff to it and sl- and they have to flush at the same time. So whoever they're trying to get it to, they have to talk through the the pipes mm-hmm. and call down in the toilet and they flush at the same time and so then the the thing that they both have gets tangled around each other so one of them will have a, a sheet on one side of the wall and the other will have a little piece of a sheet on the other and right. then when they flush the two pieces get all tied around you need to have an anchor or weight on one side mm-hmm. and then they'll tie they'll tangle up well then, then how do you get it out of the toilet you pull then you pull it back whoever's supposed to whoever's supposed to get it pulls it toward them and so, yeah, they, and it's not just drugs. You can send shanks. You can send... <laughs> can you send a birthday card? Yeah, if you put it in a bag. Could you send a little... You put a like little, little baggie. Like a chocolate, like a little tidy box of chocolates. Could you send that? If you put it in a baggie. They yeah. put all sorts of stuff in Ziploc baggies. And what about... Uh, through the toilets. About, uh, Where was I going with this? Oh, because... <laughs> because here we've got I'm people... I'm trying to think of all the things I would mail to people <laughs> if I was in prison. Here we've got people who are in for all sorts of violent Spare crimes socks. or, you know, fraud or murder. I mean, a lot of them were in there for murder. Mm-hmm. And then they had the gall to be like, she can't do that. She's not allowed to say blah, blah, blah about my blah, blah, blah. And it's like, <laughs> it's she's like, not you allowed. You dude. Yeah. Right. Like, she disrespected me in the lunch line. I had to beat her with a tray. I had no choice because right. you can't talk like that. And it's like... You don't know. Yeah, you've got priorities out of whack. You don't know what right and wrong even is. Right. I'm pretty sure. Right. Right. Well, and that's that is a major problem when Christian people don't know the difference between right and wrong. When Christians are not uh, savvy about good and evil, and uh, that's what we get. We get a bunch of we get a bunch of Jerry Lundegaards uh, fishing in the prison. Okay, so don't. <laughs> So don't be Jerry, Carl. Don't be Jerry in prison. That's the message. You know, and if you want to show me a better way, I'm I'm ready. You know, I'm I'm open to improvement. I'm open to a more successful technique. You know, whatever you're doing in your world that's that's causing you to have great, strong families, and you're and you're shining a light out into your culture. You know, tell me about it. Show me. But I am not going to. I'm not going to be easily impressed. Like, I'm not going to be a person who's like, oh, wow, you've got a great coffee bar here. And, oh, you've got a person in the front row who is an avowed atheist. Or you've got you've got a few homosexual couples who come to your church every and they, week. And they really like it. And they like they it really there. Like it I'm going to go, okay, why are avowed practicing sinners comfortable in why your... Why are they happy here? In your congregation. Why are they happy? Yeah, because one of the first things that happens to people when they're confronted with their sin is they get very angry. Right, and I'm going to compare what you're doing there with spread, you know, having your very, very shallow soil <laughs> and a huge a huge crop of, of plants that are springing up quickly. All but sorts I know, of seeds. I know that they're going to be scorched here in the next couple of years. Or the birds are going to eat them. Oh, the birds are going to eat them. I you know should just this. do that. You should. We should just release a flock of birds in most churches. <laughs> That's basically what we are. And that would be, uh, does this tell you what you are? Just just let loose like 100,000 crows yeah. in the sanctuary. Oh, we're going to be like Elijah now. Take or most that, of the Old seeds. Testament prophets with their like, with their hands on <laughs> anathema you seeds like they would always they, with their prophecy came like performance art 
<laughs> Did that guy? Why'd that guy let all those crows loose in church? What's wrong with him? I'm teaching you. This is a word from God. Yes. <laughs> Prepare you the way of the Lord. Prepare you the way. These birds are going to eat you up, you seeds on this shallow soil. Just as these crows devour the seed, <laughs> so thus saith these the Lord. These birds are pooping on our furniture. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. Okay. Um, hill to die on. Uh, there is no practical difference between atheism, humanism, and progressive Christianity. That's your hill to die on? All are forms of religion that worship people. But I find progressive Christianity to be the most offensive because it relies on ignorance. The proponents believe that quoting scripture and talking endlessly about God's love is enough to make me a disciple. It's a warning sign whenever adjectives are placed before the word Christian. That adjective is signaling that something has been added to the faith. It's not genuine Christianity anymore. So, yes, my hill to die on is that Christianity stands uh, by itself. And when you start sticking adjectives in front of Christianity, you are adding something to the doctrine that probably is not supposed to be there. And so if you would like to... Uh, die on this hill with me, you can send an email to nextdoor at johnbrandian.com. Or if you don't want to die on that hill and you would like to If you want to take, take me shots. to task. Yeah, I've, I have been killed on hills before mm-hmm. on this podcast. So if you would like to, uh, you'd like to rumble about this and make a case for putting adjectives in front of Christianity, then uh, hit me up. And Such can- as... Uh, Conservative Christian, traditional Christian. Uh, conservative Christian, uh, uh, Democratic Christian, Republican Christian, uh, progressive Christian. Um, yeah. yeah, traditional Christian. Even even putting the word traditional. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Colin. We're about to exit. Okay. All right. We're about to. We're almost done. We're almost done. Okay. All right. So thanks for listening, Carl. I don't know what's happening, but I need I need to see it immediately. See you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Look for John Branion on MeWe and Gab. Also, be part of the show by sending your questions to nextdoor at johnbranion.com. See you next time, neighbor.